Before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by Annunciation Designs. For 10% off $20 or more, visit AnnunciationDesigns.com and use the code DIAPERS10. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 44. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and today concludes a five-part series on discipleship of our kids. Today's episode is with Colleen Snow, and we're chatting about what forming our kids as disciples looks like when you have little ones and when you're working full-time. To support the show and to receive bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash diapersanddisciples. Thanks for listening in. Here's my chat with Colleen. Hi, Colleen. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, thanks for having me. I first have to say how much I love your last name, Snow. (laughs) Winter is seriously my favorite season, and Christmas is like my favorite holiday. (laughs) I feel like I would love that last name. (laughs) That's funny because uh, I like it as a name, Mm -hmm. as a weather phenomenon, I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, funny. (laughs) And the worst thing is whenever it snows, people are quick to say, oh, oh, this is all your fault. (laughs) Really, if it were up to me, it wouldn't happen at all. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Um, Where do you live? Do you get a lot of snow? We live in Northern Virginia. um, And so we get some snow, but not too much most years. Occasionally we have, you know, the big 18 inch wallop that shuts down the whole world for two weeks. But Uh uh, most winters, we just get a couple of inches here and there. Oh, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So maybe we could start off and you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and about your family. Sure. Um, I have been married to my husband, Michael, for uh, almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years in October. And we uh, have had battled infertility for a few years at the beginning of our marriage. So we had our first baby the week before our fourth wedding anniversary. So um, Kira is almost six, and she just started kindergarten. And then... um, We have a son, Declan, who will be four in December, and another son, Liam, who will be one in just over a week. Um, As I said, we live in Northern Virginia, where there is a lot of traffic and everything is expensive, (laughs) um, which is why I'm a working mother. Um, And so you can probably tell from my accent that I come from the Philadelphia area. Sorry about that. I've been trying (laughs) to get rid of it for years, and I can't. (laughs) So I say y'all sometimes with a Philadelphia accent. It's the worst. Oh, funny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But my husband is a defense contractor and I work for the federal government. So. Okay, great. A little bit about us. And um, you work primarily like a nine to five? Uh, More or less. It's uh, whenever I get to my desk and then eight and a half hours later. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) It's a little flexible that way. So um, thankfully, I work out of my house. So it's just getting the kids up in the morning. I take the little ones to daycare and my oldest to kindergarten. And then when I'm back at my desk, um, that's when my day starts, whatever time that ends up being. 
Okay, great. Love that. Um, so what comes to mind when you think about how you personally live out the Great Commission as a mom? Um, trying to raise saints yeah. and uh, make saints out of myself and my husband. Mm. And, you know, hopefully he's, he's trying to do the same for me and for our children. Um, I just want to get all of us to heaven mm. so we can be together forever in the beatific vision. So, you know, <laughs> no pressure, it. right? <laughs> I also just want to raise kids that other people want to be around. Mm, That's neat. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Um, So your kids are, you know, such young ages. Your your oldest is in kindergarten right now. Um, So when you think about raising your kids as disciples, what does that look like for for you with such young kids? And um, I mean, that goes for me too. I have a four and two-year-old and a lot of people that listen um, to this, you know, have young kids. So um, for you, what does that look like with them? Uh, Mostly, I just want to teach them as best as I can to pray unceasingly. Hmm. So I want their first reaction to all things to be prayers. Um, For instance, whenever they hear a siren or see an emergency vehicle, they immediately make the sign of the cross and say, my Jesus mercy. Hmm. Um, my, <laughs> my three-year-old tends to do it whenever he sees any flashing lights. So, <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Uh, uh, you know, Department of Transportation Vehicles, anything with a flashing light. <laughs> he's, he's got a prayer for that. They're getting extra prayers. That's so <laughs> exactly. sweet. I love it. <laughs> um, whenever they're scared, I tell them to call on their guardian angel to watch over them. Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously pray before meals and before they go to bed. Um, we go to mass. We talk a lot about saints and God and all of, you know, the small child theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and we listen to religious music, uh, they love Audrey Assad. She's their, their oh, favorite. Sweet. <laughs> um, and, you know, and when they ask me to sing to them before bed, they very often ask for hymns. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hail Mary Gentlewoman is a favorite and Holy, Holy, Holy is another favorite. And uh, I, I can't think which else, which other ones they ask for, but um, it's, you know, either that or on top of spaghetti very often. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> but we just just try and keep God in the in the forefront of mm. our lives. Yeah, I love that. I love how it's just woven into the day to day nature of of your lives. Um, that's really neat. I love. Yeah, that. I just want it to feel normal. I don't want them to be uh, the kind of people who leave religion at church. I want it to be part of their lives. Mm. Yeah, I love that. That's great. So um, you mentioned you're a working mom. So I'm wondering for you, specifically as a working mom who, um, you know, has her kids away for, you know, eight or nine hours a day or whatever it is, um, when when does that time of, you know, like discipleship of your kids take place? Is it, you know, in the mornings and evenings and and weekends or what is the, what does that look like for you guys? Well, our mornings are fairly chaotic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I would like to start introducing um, a morning offering, but I haven't yet. Um, we have to adjust to our new normal. Kindergarten just started. Yeah. Everything is 
just <laughs> a, a circus here in the morning, um, trying to get everybody dressed and fed and out of the house. Um, they have all been in daycare together until basically this week mm. and they eat breakfast there. So having to feed them breakfast in the morning is like a whole new brunch in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, it's more evenings and weekends. Um, so we uh, get home and we make dinner together and we say grace always before we start to eat. Um, and we talk about, our favorite things that happen during the day mm -hmm. while we eat dinner. Um, and we, uh, but they just have so many questions about everything. Mm -hmm. uh, they're hungry to know about this stuff. So um, they're, they ask questions about, about heaven and mm -hmm. more questions about hell than I kind of wish they would. My, <laughs> my two-year-old talks about Lucifer all the time. <laughs> Um, he sees kind of everything in terms of whether it would put us on Lucifer's team or on Jesus's team. Um, and he knows he wants to be on Jesus's team. Wow. Yeah. Um, we talk about heaven and I kind of let them have, you know, their own idea of what heaven is going to be like. So mm -hmm. for my son, he's going to get to swim in Jesus's pool every day. <laughs> and <laughs> my daughter, uh, thinks it's going to be, a carnival there mm. you're going to get to go on rides and eat cotton candy and you never have to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, my idea of heaven is getting to sleep in. So yeah. it's just <laughs> kids and parents have such different ideas about sleep. Mm. <laughs> um, but we always get to mass and um, they do a pretty good job paying attention. Uh, my daughter at, at, school will be going to mass every Friday. They don't just go first Friday. They go mm. every Friday, which I'm really excited about. So she'll be at mass twice a week. Um, and my three-year-old is uh, a little more difficult, obviously, to manage mm -hmm. at mass because that's what three-year-old boys are. Um, <laughs> but we don't bring books and we don't bring snacks. We just try to, you know, one person's in charge of the baby and one person is in charge of the three-year-old and we kind of stand him up on the back of the pew in front of us and make sure that we engage him mm -hmm. with what's happening in the mass as much as we can in a quiet way. Hmm. Um, That's interesting. We, we do bring books to mass, but I've often wondered, I wonder if they would be better behaved if we did not bring books to mass, you know? I, well, I definitely think it's six of one, half dozen of the other. Yeah. And there are times when I wish I just had a book to be like, sit down and yeah. look through this and be quiet. But um, I don't think he would. Hmm. So part of the reason that we don't bring any of that stuff is because I know my kids and I don't think that would keep them any quieter. Um, I see, yeah. So it's better for me to have him, you know, physically attached to my body mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I could, like literally put a hand gently over his mouth if he's getting too loud right um but you know it, I was raised my parents didn't bring books or snacks to mass either and so that's just kind of what I do but I definitely think that if you have a child who would sit quietly and they're you know below the age of reason and they don't understand what's happening anyway right. and and he can read a little saint book and be quiet. That's as to my mind, that's a perfectly appropriate way of handling mm. it. That's yeah. just not my kids. <laughs> right. Huh. 
Hi friends, I am so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, a little Catholic shop I love called Annunciation Designs. My absolute favorite item is the St. Benedict Baby Swaddle. I'm not sure there's a better way to wrap your baby in comfort and protection than the soft muslin blanket with a gold St. Benedict medal printed on the fabric. There's also St. Francis and St. Joan of Arc swaddle blankets. The St. Joan of Arc blanket has her quote, I was born to do this, printed in gold. And you won't want to miss out on Annunciation Designs printed tea towels. My favorite has a quote from St. Teresa of Avila, God walks among the pots and pans. And if you're listening to this podcast, I have a feeling that quote resonates with you too. Okay, lastly, I just have to mention that the shop owner, Elaine, has just released a 28-day prayer and journaling booklet for faithful and busy moms that I am loving. It's called Fiat Ordo, Let There Be Order, and it is perfect if you are a small business owner, homeschooling mom, artist, writer, or work-from-home mama. I'm about a week in, and I'm already seeing my homeschooling plans, podcast to-dos, family, and prayer life coming into balance. To check out all this from Annunciation Designs and more, be sure to visit AnnunciationDesigns.com and use the code DIAPERS10 for 10% off $20 or more. AnnunciationDesigns.com or I'll have the link and discount code in today's show notes. So I'm... um. I'm thinking about your life as a working mom, and I've received some questions from other uh, working moms. And um, I stay home mostly. You know, I, I podcast on Fridays usually, but for the most part, um, I'm home with my kids. Um, so I love receiving questions from other working moms because I feel like then I have, you know, questions that I that I can ask when I'm speaking with other working moms that hopefully are are helpful then for people who are listening. Um, so several people are wondering about insecurities as a working mom. I don't know if you've ever faced insecurities being a working mom or felt like you should be staying at home. I don't, I don't know how you grew up, um, if you grew up in a certain certain home, but um, do you ever face anything like that? Or um, I grew up with a stay-at-home mom, um, primarily. She worked in real estate, so she did work. Um, she, when we were really little, she cut hair out of the house. And so there were people, always people coming over to get haircuts. Um, but she was home with us. And then when we got bigger, she got a real estate license. Um, I'm one of seven and I'm the third. So it's, uh, my brother was 17, I think when the youngest, uh, twins were born. And so, um, when she started to have her, her oldest, get into her teens. She got her real estate license and she kind of worked around the family schedule nights and weekends when my dad was home. And so I did almost all the time have a parent home. And I kind of thought I would be a stay at home parent, but you know, I never really considered that that wouldn't be the way that it is. Um, but I am pretty sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing what God's plan for me is. And I never would have thought that that was going to be the case, but um, my husband's job does not offer benefits. And so we have done the math every which way and living where we live, we just can't find a way to make it work to lose both my salary and my job's health insurance. Mm -hmm. That is my whole family is on. Um, We would love to move somewhere cheaper 
But every time we start to see like, oh, maybe this job opportunity will come through and we'll be able to move someplace less expensive, the door closes in our face. Mm. So uh, for some reason, it seems that we're supposed to be where we are now. And that means I have financially, I have to work. Um, I do try not to do the math of how many hours my kids are with me, waking hours that they're with me versus when they're with their nanny. Um, But, you know, because that's depressing. It is depressing (laughs) to think about how many hours that they are away. Um, But we picked a a great in-home daycare where they have a a nanny, you know, single provider who loves them almost as much as I do. Mm. Um, You know, she loves them like they're her own children. And even most stay-at-home moms eventually send their kids to school and society doesn't think that they're bad moms for doing that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, does all the raising of your children happen before they're five and go to kindergarten? Like I, I thought I would be a stay at home, even a homeschooling mom. That's what I expected to happen. Um, But I can't be that right now. And it doesn't mean I can't be that ever. It's still ultimately our goal for our family, but I can't be that right now. So we just make the best of our situation. That makes sense. And I, I, I love how you brought up how, um, you know, you would be open to other ideas like moving or whatever it is, but doors keep closing. And I just feel like, you know, that's a pretty clear sign. You know, if you're making, um, making attempts to, you know, say, oh, Lord, maybe would you want this instead? No, the door closes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Exactly. Uh, and my husband, we have a list of states we'd be willing to move to. And there are probably close to a dozen states on there. There are a couple of places we're not interested in living. Um, but any of those those states, my husband applies to jobs all the time. And then he'll get so far in the process and then the contract will fall apart. Or, and it's, you know, it's not even that he doesn't get the job, they'll be excited to hire him and then their funding gets pulled or Mm. whatever, you know, there have been so many clear signs that at this point we're still open to it, but you know, we're at at this point, we're pretty clear that we are where we're supposed to be for the time being. And then our life just looks like what it looks like because that's God's plan. Right. That's great. Um, do you ever, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's like for you as a working mom. Do you ever face, um, like comments from people like stay at home moms or from, um, like maybe even your family or uh, people who have opinions about, um, uh, you know, how they feel like you should be at home. Do you ever face those? And how do you, how do you deal with that? If you do, um, my not for my family and around here there are not as many stay-at-home moms as there would be in some parts in the of the country mm-hmm. um there's a pretty good mix of working moms and stay-at-home so on our little street there are four families with kids and two of us work and two stay home um so you know it's not really basically we all can kind of recognize that there are things that are easier and things that are harder about both of our situations, Mm. because 
the stay-at-home moms have uh, their kids with them all the time, which they love, and they also feel like they need a break sometimes. Yeah, and the working moms feel like we have these obligations to our jobs and to our homes and we miss our children during Mm -hmm. the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I see more of that online Mm -hmm. than I do in my life. Um, You know, the, the internet mommy wars, which I just think are the worst. Like let's just support each other. Right. You know, it takes all kinds to make the world go around and you know, you do you and I'll do me and let's just try and make life easier for each other. I you know, it's I handle the comparisons by just kind of disengaging from it mm-hmm. because I don't know anyone who thinks that they're at the top of their game in every way. Right. There's <laughs> always someone who's more of whatever you want to be than you are. But that saying that comparison is the thief of joy, I think that that's true. Mm. And, you know, let's just, let's just support each other. (laughs) It doesn't uplift your situation to put mine down. Mm. I mean, not you, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) I know what you're saying. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That's just, I kind of just don't engage with it. Yeah. That's good. I, and I'm glad that you're not facing any of that, like, animosity in, your, um, like, uh, just real day-to-day life. Um, it's funny how when you're on social media or something like that, it's, it's just easy to, for people to hide behind a screen and, and say things that they would never say to someone, you know, face-to-face. Um, that's always just fascinated me that, um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. But my philosophy on that is just keep scrolling. Yeah. Nothing to move on, That's and it great. can cost me a lot to engage with you. So I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. That's not, I'm not online to have fights with strangers. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's a good philosophy. <laughs> um, this is a, this is another question from a working mom, and I know you've, you've touched on this a little bit, um, but she asks, "Do you ever feel like you're dropping the ball in forming your kids as disciples if someone else is watching them uh, the majority of the day?" Like grand, whether it be grandparents or daycare or you know nannies, um, I don't think that I. Uh, I think that I'm raising my own children, and my husband and I are responsible for their faith formation, as we would be if they were home with me all day. Um, we have a, a compressed amount of time to do it in, and other things that need to get done, but who among us is not busy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, we talk a lot about saints. We read a lot of books. Um, we go to mass. We have surprisingly deep religious discussions mm-hmm. given their ages. I mean, my daughter the other day had been watching um, the Disney Hercules and that night she just commented to my husband and I at dinner that Zeus isn't a real God because he just lives in the clouds mm-hmm. and God doesn't live in the clouds. He lives outside of space. Wow. <laughs> you could have knocked me over with a feather because wow. I don't know how old I was when I got the concept as much as any human mind can grasp the concept that God is outside of time and space. Right. But I certainly wasn't in kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Close. That's so but that sweet. tells me that she's got a, a foundation, a 
philosophical foundations of God. Like I'm not, I'm, I don't, I don't see how I can have dropped the ball and she still said something like that. So, um, you know, obviously it's an ongoing project, but I definitely went to bed feeling that night, like I'm doing something right. Mm, Yeah. That's (laughs) awesome. I love that. Um, this is kind of just a side question, but do you and your husband get out um, just the two of you to date very often? Because I wondered with, um, you know, being, um, you know, just having the evenings with your kids, there might be that pressure to just always spend the evenings at home. Um, but do you ever, do you go out on dates very often? Uh, it's funny because we were just talking about this. We really <laughs> don't get out that often mm-hmm. because I do feel like these, you know, the weekends are our only time with yeah. our kids. And so, um, we have been trying a little more often to at least get the baby to bed. Um, my sister lives locally now. My Most of my family is in the Philadelphia area. And so we don't have a lot of family nearby. Um, but my sister recently moved to the area and she's single. Um, so we have been trying to once in a while, get her to come over and she'll just spend the night here um, so that we can go out and have some time, just the two of us. But um, over the the previous (laughs) six years of our married life with children, Mm -hmm. um, we, we don't. And so I think that'll get easier as they get a little bit older too. Um, But yeah, that's something that, that we, have just been talking about starting to work on a little bit. Yeah, I could imagine that would be difficult, but um, that's that's nice to now have your sister a little closer and hopefully you can get a date night a little bit more often. Yeah, uh, that's the plan. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Colleen, how would you say you've seen the Lord at work in your life the last year? Um, Well, I would say... Uh, mostly he tells me no, (laughs) no, you can't move to Texas. No, you can't quit your job. Even though you thought that by the time you had your third baby, you'd be done working. Hmm. Um, you can't relax about your finances. Uh, my husband was out of work for a month at the end of 2017, uh, right after our third baby was born. And then he's had to take a pay cut at his job this year just because the contract that he his company moved him to doesn't support his old rate. Um, and so if he if I weren't working, we would be in serious trouble hmm. financially, like unable to buy groceries trouble. Um, but he's been interviewing for new jobs and everything is looking really promising right now. But no, God says you still can't move <laughs> because you know, the jobs are here. Mm. And so, you know, I will say God is good all the time, even when he's basically chanting no over and Mm. over (laughs) at me. And sometimes no is the answer to our prayers. You know, we don't always get a yes. And so I, you know, one of the things that I try to remind myself and remind my husband on a regular basis is that faith in God includes faith in his timing. Mm. And so, Sometimes it's frustrating, but, you know, we are, these doors closing in our faces are sometimes so unlikely that we have no choice but to accept 
that we are living God's will in being where we are, mm-hmm. whether we want to or not. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that so much. And I feel like this is one of those cases where years from now, you'll be able to look back and be like, wow, that was such an important or formative time or, you know, that's why we were there or that's why I needed right. to be working. And right. um, yeah, I, I love that. Um, and what would you say is your favorite part of your home and why? Um, I think our playroom. So our house has kind of a weird layout. So (laughs) the downstairs is crazy. There's um, a formal dining room that's right next to an eat-in kitchen. And between them, there's a wall that has a window in it. And (laughs) interesting. (laughs) when we moved in here, I was like, I don't know how to furnish this space because obviously it's intended to have a dining room table here and a kitchen table there and you're going to be sitting at one table looking through a window at this other table (laughs) and I don't know why they felt it necessary to make room for seating for 15 because the house is not big enough for that many people to live here (laughs) (laughs) so in the end we decided to make the eat-in kitchen into a playroom so we put down like a plush carpet and a couch and a toy box and so if I'm cooking dinner or my husband is cleaning up after dinner, we can all be in there together. Mm. Wow, I love that. I can be on the comfortable couch supervising or whatever. And it's like, it's a cozy little space. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's so great. And I always feel like the kitchen is where I end up spending a lot of time anyway. So it's so nice. Right now we have kind of an open concept. So I love being able to see the kids like in the living room while I'm in the kitchen. So I I love that you have a playroom like right, right there in your kitchen. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I wish there were some way I could (laughs) lock the kitchen off a little more just uh, so that they can't come into where the hot oven is. I Um, see. They tend to get overexcited and running <laughs> around in there and I'm like okay well there's a gas stove right here that's on and so do you see that that's fire don't touch the fire yeah <laughs> um but all in all I definitely prefer to have them so close where I can watch them while I'm doing what needs doing that's great I love that and what have you been loving recently Um, I was thinking about this and I, you know, we're so day to day with our lives. Um, but I think that I have to say that I have never been happier at our parish. Mm. Um, so we have a newish pastor. He's been there, um, less than two years. I can't remember exactly how long, um, but he's a little more orthodox than our old one. Um, which, you know, I, tend to prefer, I tend to be more of an Orthodox (laughs) Catholic. Um, And uh, the music program is being reformed. So I'm a cantor and I sing in the choir and the new music director who came in under the new pastor, um, they, the pastor and the music director are kind of gradually transforming our mass music into a more traditional sound. Um, So we're singing more Latin and more chant. And actually using the communion antiphons, um, stuff like that. And I know it's not to everyone's taste because I've heard, you know, a little bit of grumbling here and there from parishioners who prefer the like happy clappy music. Uh Um, But I love it. And I have had more people approach me to compliment the music Mm. than ever before. 
before. So I think on balance, most people appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And if I never have to sing Gather Us In again, (laughs) it'll be too soon. So (laughs) So um, as a cantor, as a cantor, do you feel like you have certain songs that are like, no, I hope I never have to sing this again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, let's go. There are certain songs that are in the in the hymn books that I feel like are a little uh heretical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh you know, if there's there are certain lines if you were to google gather us in and heresy, you're going to find stuff. <laughs> um, Lord of the Dance is another one that I just can't stand. Hmm. Um on eagle's wings i don't think there's any heresy in there but i just don't like it interesting <laughs> it okay <laughs> it, it doesn't feel sacred to me yeah um it's really what it comes down to mm. that a lot of that you know 60s 70s 80s hymn book music is uh <laughs> i had a, a, an, a choir director who used to call it jesus lounge music <laughs> <laughs> And I know some people like that. Everybody has their own taste, mm-hmm. but I do prefer Latin and the old standard hymns that the, the church has been singing for hundreds of years yeah. over anything that's been <laughs> written in the last you know, century or so. so. Right. Yeah, I love that. My uh, husband and I have been talking a little bit about uh, having our senses engaged at Mass, but what what we actually mean by that is kind of like quieted like how certain music like chant or more traditional hymns will like quiet your senses so that you're able to really like focus and be drawn into the sacrifice of the mass or how say like um incense is something that like engages your senses but also like quiets them um so i i do think there's something about definitely about the music as well that really um impacts the way that you can uh, approach the mass. So I think that's neat. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. And it's a little less true when you're the person up there creating the music, in terms of, you know, your senses being quieted mm-hmm. in the same way. Um, but creating that for other people, you know, we're, we're called to contribute our time, talent and treasure. Mm-hmm. And so that's my time and my talent that I contribute to my parish. And so there are certain drawbacks to my own experience of the mass when I'm acting as the cantor. But um, overall, I think that it's important to have sacred music at maybe not all masses, but at most masses. And so that means I need to step up and do my part. So Mm -hmm. You know, it's. I've just been really happy with the direction that it's headed. Hmm. That's nice. Did you grow up singing? I did. Yes. Okay. Um, my parents tell the story where <laughs> that um, I had my first solo when I was probably eight or so, and um, my choir director when I was a little kid was so nice and totally tone deaf (laughs) and anybody who wanted a solo got a solo so there were regularly like just horrible sounds coming out of our choir and and so you know they knew it was it was Christmas Eve 
the children's mass on Christmas Eve and I was having my first solo and they tell this story about how they were like kind of cringing in the pew. And then, oh. <laughs> and then I started to sing and they, they, I mean, I, I wish you could see my face where they just kind of like turn to look at the choir loft with like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they had no idea I could do that oh sweet <laughs> and so I've been you know since I was about eight or so um in choirs most of the time but I was I have only been uh acting as a cantor for a couple of years because I had just crippling stage fright about it mm. and I um just finally had to tell myself that this is not, it's not a performance and you've been sitting out there and you've heard people get up in front of that microphone and make mistakes. And you know that most of the people around you don't notice. Right. And the ones that do notice, like I always noticed because I know what I'm listening for would still say, Hey, you have the guts to get up there and do it. Yeah. And I don't have the guts to get up there and do it. So I have no judgment for you. And so that kind of um, convinced me that they're not sitting out there waiting. It's, it's not American Idol. It's not a performance. Um, it's a worship aid. And so, you know, I kind of got over myself <laughs> okay. and, and started doing it. And now at this point, um, people are so generous about it. So there are times when I get to the end of a mass and I'm... I've just had a terrible go of it. And I, you know, once you make one mistake, you kind of start freaking out and then you make more mistakes. And there are times when we get to the end and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm so sorry. I ruined mass. And those are always the time when people come up to me and like throw the word voice of an angel around with a wow. bandit. And I'm just <laughs> talking up to Christian charity. <laughs> but I mean, people are so nice. Yeah. So, you know, anybody who's out there who's been thinking about it, just do it. You won't be sorry. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's so neat that you do that because I think as a mom, at least me personally, I can feel like, oh, I can't really volunteer for anything because, you know, I've got the little ones and it's just like, sorry, I can't do anything. But I think there are opportunities to serve, um, you know, acting as a cantor, I think that's beautiful. And I think there's other ways too, um, that might work for, for moms. And so I love that you just, you know, had the courage to do it and, um, went for yeah, it. And I do have to say that when I'm cantering, we tend to split up masses just because, ah, uh, I see. Yeah. Our little who needs two keepers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, someone has to be full time on the baby and someone yeah. has to be full time on the three-year-old. Um, and so it is, a little too much to expect that I'm going to be visible to my children while my husband tries to wrangle all three of them. That makes so sense. They don't get to the masses that I'm um, singing at unless, you know, say my mom is in town or whatever. Sure. And so she'll come to mass with us and then he's got a, an assistant wrangler. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That makes um, sense. <laughs> yeah. It'll be much easier when they're older. And I definitely think that you could uh, be a lector mm with kids because it's only a couple of minutes that you're away from them. Right. Um, right. As opposed to, you know, when you're, when you're singing as the cantor, you're not maybe in a church with a choir loft, you could still do it and have your children near you. But in, 
in our church, there's no choir loft. There's just an organ and a microphone like right up at the front. And so, um, yeah, we do have to split up on those days. That makes sense. That's good. Um, and then my last question for you is, do you have any mom hacks to share or something that's maybe making your life a little easier? It's the weirdest thing, but um, bar mops, which are just white terry cloth towels that you can buy a pack of like 15 or 20 of them on Amazon for less than $10. And we use them for cleaning. We use them for wiping faces. We use them for cleaning up spills, um, just everything. And then when they get ratty or moldy or too hopelessly stained, we just throw them away Mm. because they're so cheap and we get giant piles of them. So every 18 months or so I'll order another package and there's always a dozen or more of them in a basket in the kitchen that the kids know where to get them. Interesting. Um, so you go for and those. they really just save my sanity. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. So you go for those as opposed to like a kitchen towel or something. You would grab the... Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we always have a kitchen towel on the, you know, the, the oven bar or whatever for drying clean hands. Yeah. But, um, you know, I grew up with my mom always had a dish rag that she used for everything and it would just get mildewy so quickly. And it always <laughs> grossed me out because even though it was clean, as soon as it got wet, yeah, that mildew smell, um, which, and then you'd have it on your hands and on your kids faces and it just made me crazy and so um somebody suggested these like super cheap towels because bars buy them for sopping up spills and they go through them by the dozens and I was like oh my gosh so just even if we're we're behind on the laundry there's still six in the basket right. you know so <laughs> that's great I love that and I love that they're in a basket yeah bar mom. <laughs> that's so good and I love that the kids like know that they can just, you know, grab one if there's a spill or, or whatever it is. And yeah, I mean, the baby spits up, you can say, you know, quick, get me one of those white towels. Yeah. And they run right to the kitchen and gr- bring back the white towel. So um, yeah, <laughs> that's so great. I love it. <laughs> well, Colleen, thank you so much for coming on today and chatting with me. I um, have really enjoyed this conversation and I hope it's helpful for um, other working moms as well. Cause I know I tend to have a lot of stay at home moms on the show. And so I think it's just refreshing to hear a, a new perspective. So thank you so much for, for making the time for me. Thank you. Let me, it was fun. <laughs> let me go ahead and close this in prayer. Sure. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for uh, this time to chat together today. I pray for all the moms who are listening Um, at home or at work or doing laundry or driving their car, wherever they might be, Lord, that you would make yourself known to them, that they would know your presence today, Lord, and know your will. Jesus, we love you, and we offer this day to you in your holy name. Amen. Hi, friends. I loved Colleen's tips for integrating prayer and discipleship with our kids in the midst of our days. I think we could all add in saying a prayer whenever we see an emergency vehicle, listening to Christian music with our kids, and just keeping God in the conversation. I also love how Colleen talked about being open to God's will and embracing what that will is for our lives, even if it's not what we planned or even if his answer to our prayers is no. I've heard it said that when we pray, God changes our circumstances 
or he changes our hearts. I hope you found some encouragement in today's episode. For links to everything we've talked about, visit the show notes for today's episode at diapersanddisciples.com. Next week, we're starting a series on self-care, and I am so excited to approach this subject from some unique perspectives, so you can look forward to that. Until next time, you all are in my prayers. God bless.